everything we have to fear. The economic health of this nation has been for essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline Greed. in the dollar It's a late rally on Wall Street. Too big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Money Talks. Money Talks. Good morning, good morning. You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most-respected money show on the radio. I'm Troy Harmon here today with Jacob Keene and the notorious <laughs> Dr. Roger Tuttero. He's our chief economic advisor at Hensler Financial. He's also the professor of economics. He's a professor of economics at Kennesaw State. And I'm lucky to hold the Hensler Financial Chair. You definitely I are. Certainly appreciate your company's support of KSU and right. And the you're Cole the director School. of the business. Economic, uh, econometrics center. That's right. At Kennesaw State as yeah. well, right? I need I need another hat. There you there, go. There. So. Need another head if you're going to wear so many hats. <laughs> All right. So uh, market this week has uh, treated us eh, halfway decent, right? Yeah. No? Yeah. yeah. Maybe. One point three. Seven percent. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. We'll take it. Had some. It's early. It's early in the earnings season. Yeah. We've had some banks report. It's been a little mixed, but the the market response has been pretty solid. I yeah. Mean, overall. Financials big, up four and a half on the week. Yeah. Big two. Big news there. Yeah. It, <clears throat> it's pacing. It's pacing a little bit below the estimates, but it, at least with the. Um, Financials, uh, we got some decently solid earnings growth that we're looking at right now, 16%. Yeah, it's not um, bad. Rates up, rates up helps in general. Yeah. Well, it helps unless you're a utility company, which is our big loser on the week, down about 1%. Right. And uh, you know we got pretty big moves across the board on the interest rates uh, relative to normal, 15 basis points higher on the two-year, 22 on the five. 28 basis points higher on the 10-year, and then 30, uh, or uh, 52 rather on the on the 30-year. That's a pretty good move for a 30-year bond, yeah. you know, half a percent. And I mean, the good news there is for those out there that were obsessed with whether or not the yield curve was headed toward an inversion, and whether that would foretell of a recession coming. Uh, this quickly clearly was a week in which we got some steepening on the curve. Yeah, I know it. Uh, it definitely for a guy that watches the markets and and. Uh, uh, yields and, and um, earnings and all the rest of that stuff, like me, um, I've been talking for a couple of weeks now about how the one year has been higher than the two, three, four, five year on the Treasury. You go back in history and look at any time we've had a yield curve that looked like that. Right. It was June of 2006. Right. Which, you know, it, it was kind of a topping of the market for home builders, mm-hmm. but uh, definitely the market did not top until... October 9th of 07. So uh, still, you know, the market was, direction was still positive. Right. I think that's one of the points is that when we talk about this yield curve inversion, which occurs anytime short-term interest rates get higher than long-term interest rates, then, you know, one of the concerns is that can be a predator of recessions or downturn in the equity market. Right. But I think people need to remember there's a pretty long lag there. And those inversions can run anywhere from 12 to 18 months easily before the economy responds. Yeah. And, and this is not the hard signal we usually look for. It's the two and the ten. Right. And that didn't happen. Yeah, they'll look at the two ten spreads, probably the most commonly monitored. Some people look at the Fed funds rate versus the ten. But I always caution folks, this is a little different because we are we are now a decade into the quantitative easing 
uh, that started in 2009. And so I'm not sure that long-term rates truly reflect all the market forces. Yeah, There's and still now some manipulation. Now we're kind of rolling that off. I know October of 17, we are, is that right? Yeah, yeah October started. of 17 is when it started. We're full-blown now. What is it? Yeah, about, about $50 billion a month. About right. two-thirds of that treasury is one-third mortgage-backed securities. Yeah. We're allowed to mature and roll off. Yeah, and it's it's not going, I mean, you can't just use that math and get to where we are with the uh, with the treasury's balance sheet. We're still around $4 trillion. Started at, what, 4.3? Right. So, Basically quadrupled the size of their balance sheet between um, when the first round of quantitative easing in 2009 and the third round, of course, was 2012. Right. So... So quantitative tightening, so the long end of the curve, you would expect to go higher under conditions like that. you got a, a big buyer that's no longer buying but actually letting maturities occur. Right. And I think that's certainly there is some of that upward pressure on the long rates. But offsetting that, uh, Europe still has very very low long-term interest rates and capital right. flows globally. Just stop their quantitative easing, right? What right, that's the right. Year? So they're, they're certainly well behind us in that regard. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, there is no significant uh, evidence of inflation. We're running 1.9 over the last 12 months on CPI and about 2.2 if you take out food and energy. So we are at that 2% sweet spot for inflation. That The funny part is some people are saying, oh, 2% inflation, This is should we be worried? Uh, no, folks, this is what we've been trying to get through. Uh, really for much of the last decade. And that's what the driver was behind the quantitative easing. Yeah, Jacob, I know you and I talk a lot about uh, other people's forecasts. And one of the big news uh, stories that we've been seeing is how many folks are saying, how many stock analysts are saying that uh, they expect um, uh, non-domestic issues to actually outperform in 2019. But if you listen to what we just talked about, we got a, a country that's dealing with the Brexit potential this year. Um, well, a group of countries, European Union, uh, and and they really don't have that many tools to fight if we did start seeing economic slowing in Europe. Does, does that give you any pause for concern, Dr. Tadro? Well, I think there is some um, concern that we have some global slowing. And even if we don't have a formal recession in the U.S., the slowing of the global economy obviously has adverse effects for U.S. exports. Uh, of course, the value of the dollar plays into a lot of this as well. And when you talk about foreign markets and their performance, the thing to remember about investing in foreign markets is if you earn the profits there, you've got to bring them back to the U.S. is what we like to call, um, I guess that's um, translational exposure, I guess, right? Or, or operating. I'm trying to think which way which way it goes. I'm, I'm talking national yeah, finance in a, couple, in a couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, so you know, if, if the dollar were to strengthen too much, then foreign earned profits can actually lose some of their value on the conversion. Right. Yeah. Well, I I think I don't I don't expect the dollar to strengthen too much from you. I think what's most interesting is if kind of tying it all together. You you, you go back to October. That's when we hit cruise control on the QT, sure. right? 50, At the right. same time, 50, we're in an environment right now where if you yeah rates are rates are low elsewhere. But if you look if you're looking to hedge your FX exposure, and you want to own U.S. dollar rates, the yields the yields on U.S. Uh, treasuries are actually lower. In, in hedging that exposure. So you've got a lot of, uh, I mean, you look at just from that perspective, you would expect rates to have continued to move higher and they've come off a bit. So what's happening there? For me, I, say, I, I see the engine of the global economy for basically the past decade. I mean, most of global GDP growth has been coming from China and we've seen some slowing there. In fact, I was just reading uh, what a week or two ago for the first time in two decades, 
Chinese car sales were down year over year. So I, I think that's the story, and, and I think that's some of what's playing into a, a lot of these other foreign developed markets is they're, they're strong trade partners with China as well. Right. Yeah, I think the, uh, the analysts that I mentioned earlier are saying that uh, the basis for their call is the valuations being lower outside the United States, but in reality there might be a cause for that. Right. Um, but, it, but it does seem to be quite a popular well, it's, trade at it's, the moment. What's what's also interesting to me is you think of kind of like where we where we are in our cycle, you know, from from a monetary perspective compared to them. It's like are they going to have time to catch up? Because basically what you're saying, Troy, is they don't have a lot of room to be accommodative. They don't have the same amount of room to be accommodative that right. the the U.S. Fed does. Sure. Is the global economy going to be able to continue to grow for long enough for them to get up off the mat? Because you look at Europe in particular. They had the they had the debt crisis in 2011, so they were even slower to right. kind of turn around. Yeah, I the one thing that I do recall is a few years ago when Janet Yellen gave us our one of our first uh, interest rate increases. I was sitting there scratching my head. The fundamentals didn't really seem to play out a case to be raising rates. But one of the things that she said, and I could absolutely agree with at the time, was she was trying to retool. It was time to retool. And I think really our last, the December raise was another one of those. When you look at inflation numbers, it really didn't support a, a higher rate. Yeah, I'm going to give you an opposite argument, though. I'm not a huge fan of the, of the we need to reload the gun, if you will, or we're getting sure. the, prior, the powder dry. I think it's an appropriate reason to raise rates is that we are, by historical standards, in a very, very low rate environment. Right. I mean, the Fed funds rate, if it's 225 to 250 now, you got 2% inflation. That's barely a positive real Fed funds rate. And I don't know how in an economy that grew 3% in 2018 we can say that's normal. So I think it's not as much about tightening, raising rates to fight inflation as it is moving rates back to a more normal environment. Right. Because at the end of the day, that's what I want. I want I want interest rates that somewhat mimic what would happen in a purely private market. Well, you know, a few minutes ago I referenced um, the the shape of the yield curve looking almost precisely like it did in June of 2006. I looked at that, and the way that I got to that was looking at the tables. So, that, you know, you run down the three-month, the six-month, all the rest of the, the maturities. You add 2.4% almost across the board, which speaks exactly to what you're saying. 2.4% lower this time toward what feels like could be top of market um, versus, you know, 2006, our last cycle mm -hmm. high for economic data at least. All right, well, let's take a real quick break. When we come back, we will do the Dog of the Week and get into some really interesting economic and financial discussions. Stick around. We'll listen to Money Talks. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. 
Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.